0: Welcome everybody to episode twenty-three of the WP Mainline podcast for Friday, January fourteenth, twenty twenty-two. <laughs> I still got twenty twenty-one in my show notes. I'm Jeff Chandler, joined by my co-host. Day, or almost. My, it? it's been so long. Malcolm Peralta. Ooh, boy, just getting through the intros hard. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it takes a bit of work, doesn't it? Yes, it does. You know, I, I, I almost called off on the show today. I just this anxiety. I, I don't know. I'm, i guess i'm just screwed up i need to go get some help need to call somebody i need to get some meds uh it sucks living like this it's like a battle every day but uh i decided you know what just gonna try and push through it see what happens uh if anything goes wrong uh i got my buddy malcolm here he'll he'll help me he'll save me he knows what to do um so we've gotten through the new year we've gotten through christmas now we're here in the doldrums of winter which is january However, WordPress 5.9 is around the corner. And if you're interested in knowing what's up with that, uh, check out the, uh, there's all kinds of material out there on the WordPress core make blog, <laughs> the dev notes. I mean, you can take a deep dive into it. We'll probably get more into it uh, probably next week. Maybe we'll spend some time kind of dissecting and digesting everything that is related to WordPress 4- 5.9, But uh Let's get into some of the things that's happening sort of recently, semi-recently. I mean, we've been away for for a little while now, so there's plenty of things to talk about. But the first thing is, uh, there's some news out today. Well, first, uh, there's been a revised set of proposed guidelines for in-person events uh, that was proposed earlier this week by the uh, WordPress.org community deputies. And some of these guidelines stated that there would be mandatory masks for all attendees, even in regions that do not have a mask mandate at this time. There would be more prominent messaging and WordCamp websites, emails, and social media posts about COVID-19 safety guidelines. Mandatory temperature checks for all attendees at the event, if permitted by local authorities. Accessible hand sanitizing stations in the venue. Maintaining social distancing practices during the event. Larger meeting rooms. And seating arrangements with good spacing can be a good way to implement this. And having a plan for contact tracing measures in case of infections, which can be done using WordCamp registration data meetup, while meetups are a bit trickier. And as I was reading these proposed guidelines, the thing I, I, that, that I saw or kind of omitted wasn't brought up, was the type of mask uh, that has to be worn. I mean, we, we've seen now from, from data that a cloth mask, just isn't going to cut it anymore with Omicron. You actually need to use uh, N95 or KN95 type of mask in order to have the best defense against spreading and catching the Omicron variant. And uh, so this wasn't brought up. So that was kind of my, I wrote a post about this on WP Mainline earlier this week, uh, kind of suggesting, hey, you know, if, if we're going to do these guidelines, Let's set the standard as to, to provide the most protection. So there needs to be in these guidelines a, a proposal for N95 and KN95 or equivalent mask. Now, earlier today, we learned that uh, a, a WordCamp that was coming up, uh, Yaw, which is WordCamp Birmingham, they've actually, the organizers have decided to postpone that event for later on in the year. They're, they're hoping to maybe get it out in, in April or May. Uh, depending on what's going on here, which I think is the right move, but in, in my opinion, with these in-person events and with what's going on with Omicron right now, yes, there are ways and things that organizers can do to make them safer, but the safest thing, in my opinion, is not having an event at all.
1: It's hard, right? We're We're almost three years into this. And I think everyone is And right kind of now tired. we're like
0: at the we're dealing with fa- fatigue and all and, mm-hmm. oh, the anti-vaxxers. But, but right now we're like, this is the worst it's ever been. And it's it, right now it's like a wildfire and we're not going to stop Omicron. And now it's almost like, well, we've we, you had chances to get vaccinated. you got a chance to get boosted. And now it's just kind of uh, just wait and see, wait to see if this thing can be endemic by the end of this year.
1: Yeah, that's the hope. But I,
0: but I know you've, uh, I know if you reach out and you said, you said it, you know, the, the, the hope is, you know, just trying to provide as much safety as possible, but I think mean, the safest thing to do is just not have a in-person event, <laughs> you know, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, but it's hard, right? So like, how do we live our lives knowing that this is still around? Um, I get that this is the worst, but hopefully most of the people that are going to events are vaccinated and thus, if they do get you know one of the new varieties of of covid um ideally they won't have horrible symptoms or pass it on to people that could have horrible symptoms um or outcomes due to the virus so uh it's everything in life is is about balance and i think that you know i really feel for the people trying to organize these events it requires a lot of well, time and energy and effort and to always have to postpone them or cancel them that that must be disheartening so so there's quite a bit of talk in the
0: comments about well if we're going to have these guidelines and things in place uh these things that we're going to now place all these responsibilities on organizers and volunteers to be at the door volunteers have to do temp checks now on people volunteers now have to put up with people who may not be uh as forthcoming with vaccination cards or anything of that matter, you know, it's, it seems, it seems like all these proposed guidelines would, would just be a, a whole lot of unnecessary prush, pressures added on to what's already a, uh, a pretty tough thing to do, which is volunteer and organize at work camps. I mean, yeah. it, it sounds like you would have to set aside funding for like maybe a security guard person or maybe actual people to do temperature checks and, you know, who's going to be handing out these masks or masks can be acquired inside outside. I I don't know. That's just, just a whole nother world dealing, you know, with these in-person events with the pandemic going on. Yeah, I am, I'm so ready for it to be over. Me too, me too. I'm let's get to seeing endemic. I you know, a few weeks ago, I got the booster shot. The booster shot knocked me on my ass, man. <laughs> it was uh ooh, the first two shots, no problem. The booster, oh man, it was like This is an all-day thing: nausea, headaches, and everything. But you know what? At the end of the day, I was feeling better, and I'm like, it was was worth it to not have to take up a hospital room and be part of the the masses that are taking up resources from those who really need it. You know, it was all worth it. So, uh, there you go. You know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see as as we go on here if the numbers drop and if this thing becomes a little bit more endemic and. If not, you know, what does that mean for Camp U.S. later this year in San Diego? So I wonder, I wonder what will happen. Uh, WooCommerce 6.1 has been released. Now, you know, at first you would think that this is a major version, but looking at the changes, it looks <laughs> to be more like a minor version, which may have something to do with their version numbering system, which I know they changed uh, a few years ago. But in this... Uh, In 6.1, they've actually updated the WooCommerce blocks uh, version up to 6.5.1. They've also updated the WooCommerce admin and action scheduler. And I was actually interested to look at that. uh, The WooCommerce admin is actually still a feature plugin that they're working on outside of WooCommerce, and I believe that's where they're working on and implementing like a full JavaScript or React-based admin interface. At least that's what it was announced a few years ago when uh, at one of the was it a WuCon or State of the Woo? Yeah, I think it was State of the Woo. Um, and that looked really slick. So it's kind of nice to see that they're still working on that. And there's a host of other changes as well. There's not uh, no database changes, no template changes. Uh, there is a deprecation involved. But uh, overall, just kind of your standard run-of-the-mill release of, of WooCommerce.
1: Yeah, I think one of the problems there is like, to be fair, there were 309 commits from 35 contributors just on WooCommerce Core, but none of these um commits that I'm seeing are like enough that you could really wrap a line item around and be like, isn't this exciting? It's more yeah, like yeah. hey, we added run WC page load tests and run admin page load test to exports. Uh-huh.
0: Which which is by and large the majority of software development, right? Most yeah. software doesn't have these line items, you know, line item things, you know? Or yeah. or or it's like it's like, well. I patched this bug. How do I make it exciting? You know, how do I put it out there? It's like, <laughs> pff, I don't know. That's, you know who has good change logs? Uh, Discord. I don't know yeah. if anybody uses a Discord app. They actually put some thought and creativity into their change logs and I enjoy reading them. Um, this is it's pretty cool. Uh, so make sure you're updated uh, to WooCommerce. Oh, and while we were away, there was a uh, security update for WordPress. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: What was it? 5.8.3. I Correct. think it was. And that fixed a couple of security issues. But you know, I'm in bed. I don't care. I wake up the next day, I have an email that says your site has automatically been updated. You have your plugins have automatically been updated. I'm like, okay, so what do I have left to do? Nothing <laughs> but check the site and see if it's broken, which it wasn't, right. thankfully. Yeah. But yeah. uh I've hey I'm on the bandwagon now. I'm my, my site is set up to update automatically. The point releases it's set up to uh update plugins automatically uh where i can and i'm just gonna go with it and see what happens because i I have backups that happen all the time so you know and i'm I'm not operating the mission critical website here so i figure if it breaks just try and calm down and remember this is a learning opportunity (laughs) (laughs) and a
1: publishing opportunity i can write about yes exactly yeah Yeah, i almost want it to break (laughs) I, i I will note for everyone out there that's interested, um, there were four security issues that were patched in this 5.8.3 and they actually applied this same patch all the way oh, back to WordPress yeah. 3.7. It's so, so cool
0: that they can do that and they're yeah, still doing it
1: actually. Yeah, yeah. So You want to talk I mean, about
0: long-term security or
1: what they call the LTS,
0: long-term service or long-term security release. That's kind of what right. 3.7 has been all these years.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's it's really important. Like if you're not, interested or willing to update to 5.8.3. Um whatever version that you're on previously probably has a point release that is now available for you to get these security patches. And uh you know I looked over the text on these and um they're they're concerning. I mean I if you if you're running a WordPress site, please make sure you update.
0: Or just make sure your site updated automatically and it's not broken. There you go. <laughs> uh so Morton Rand Hendrickson boy, what a smart individual. I love when this guy uh, writes about open source and it's, it's it's a shame he's kind of stepped back from his involvement in WordPress, but uh, he published a post called Open Source Considered Harmful uh, on his site, more10.com. And it was basically a look at what's been going on with open source and paying contributors and the nature of open source. and, and uh, There's a lot into it and I can't I probably cannot do it justice. And I advise everybody who's listening to the show to, to check out the show notes, check out the link and read it. But he talks about how open source projects are developed, the typical cycles and spans, you know, benevolent dictator for life. He also talks about how uh, the types of people who end up in these positions, running these open source projects and, and the, the harm to contributors. And there's just a lot involved here. And it's, this has been a hot topic now for the past two or three months, and, and that is how do we get volunteers who dedicate their, their blood, sweat, and tears to open source projects, which are have now become, they're not some, most of them are, or a lot of them these days are not just something that's built as a hobby or a side project in the basement. They're actually mission-critical software, mission-critical components that these corporations are, are, are making millions on that they rely on, but most of these people who are behind them to maintain them are not getting paid. Just doing it, it's like a, it's like a community service that they're doing. Well, you know how do we how do we change the dynamic? How do we get all that money to funnel back into and pay the people who are responsible for these open source projects and and, and get these contributors paid? Um, there's there's a lot to that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I wish I had an answer. I mean, it's one of those things that actually I noodle on here and there, and I just kind of shake my head and go, you know, unless they have the ability to, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit to kind of build product or companies around their abilities, it can be really hard. Um, I think one of the the best quotes in the article is that kind of sum it up: is um, doing unpaid work while others profit off that work is harmful. Being told this is the way it's supposed to work that if you just work hard enough, somehow you'll end up getting paid is harmful. And I mean, when I read that, it gave me chills. I mean, it's it's so true and so hard to change. I mean, I don't think you're going to run into too many people who disagree with this and go, no, like, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be. A lot of people might like kind of bow their head and go, "Oh, this is just the way it is. Um, but I, I think that we need to kind of figure out a way to fix that. And it's, it's not just open source, unfortunately. It's it's pretty systemic to our entire like society and culture in a way. I mean, the mm-hmm. the whole idea of unturn- unpaid interns has been around forever, um, and so this this kind of transition to the the many doing the free efforts to support a few people who do have that entrepreneurial spirit or do have that ability to productize it, um, that's just wrong, and it it does need to change. But I just don't know how it's going to.
0: So what Morton says, he says, what do you think the solution will be? And he says, I know what it definitely will not be, which is more volunteer contribution. And I want to read uh, a paragraph from his post, because I, I think it's something, it's, it's uh, mind-provoking, thought-provoking. And it says, uh, quote, open source has largely, largely been taken over by corporations already, both from the inside and from the outside. Just follow the money. And when push comes to shove and governments start getting involved, shareholders and investors will quickly pivot from the Let these kids do their magic too. Let's take control over this mess to protect our profits. If we don't do the hard work of creating proper open source governance, open source policy, and functional funding of open source contributors, the dream of open source will die in our hands and we won't even notice. It is time we rebuild open source ideology to be based on equity, inclusion, and sustainability. We built the modern world. Now we need to take care of it and of ourselves. And I know that Morton... And uh, Bama designer. Uh, oh, she's probably gonna. She's gonna be mad if I don't think of her name out the. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry, but she goes by. Uh, I think is it Rachel? Might be Rachel. Might not be. But but her and Morton they, they were involved with the. They tried to create this WordPress governance project. It was um, a few years ago, trying to put things together, and they brought it up to the state of the word, but. Uh, it just kind of—I mean—that takes a lot of effort, a lot of people going at it full time, and it also takes buy-in from the project and the, and the leaders that you're trying to uh, uh, that you're trying to put this governance around. But you know, I, I guess it's hard to put governance around something that will doesn't want to be governed, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I imagine if, if governance was such an important thing, WordPress would have had this already. But I don't—I don't know. <laughs> But a lot of a lot of things to take into account there. And I just yeah, open source. It's uh man, times are a changing. Uh so let's see. Other big news. Yoast
1: SEO is coming to Shopify. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, when I first read this, I was kind of surprised in a way. Um we think of Yoast and we think of WordPress and they they're pretty synonymous I thought it was kind of interesting one of the first responses that I saw was someone asking so what does this mean in terms of Yoast being able to like sponsor WordCamps and stuff um, oh and I might I might
0: have asked that whoops
1: <laughs> as Shopify is kind of not necessarily seen as the enemy so to speak but it's seen as kind of a closed ecosystem and um, you know piece of proprietary software and they're not very share and share alike and so what does this mean for a big company like Yoast kind of getting into this space. I mean, I think a lot of people have, you know, had these little murmurs or these little whispers of like, if Yoast wants to continue to grow, they're going to have to play in other sandboxes, and other um, pieces of software. I didn't necessarily think Shopify was going to be the first one. I get it in a way though, because it is a major player, um, and there's a, a very quick route to uh, revenue, right? Because Almost, I don't know if you've used Shopify before, but basically every add-on is like a monthly cost, right? So it's like a dollar here, $2 there, $5 for that, $9 for that. And so I'm sure that Yoast SEO and Shopify is going to be like a couple of bucks a month every month. And for every, you know, let's say a thousand people that they get paying $2 a month, that's two grand in revenue for the company, pretty f- free and clear. I mean, it it can start to sponsor um, development teams over time. It can continue to grow as another vertical in their business and potentially also, help other hosted like uh, e-commerce solutions or CMSs see the value in Yoast and then maybe other verticals kind of pop up from there. So I wasn't surprised necessarily when I saw this. I was surprised that it was Shopify as their first choice. I mean, well, what well, did you think other than than the uh, the whole WordCamp potential or the, the advertising issue? You know, you
0: say that the first thing about Yoast is you think about WordPress, but back in 2015, they actually branched out and made a Drupal. Module Yoast SEO for Drupal. So it's been about six years. Uh, They, I think, Drupal might have been the first one that they branched out to, but for them going to Shopify, it just the first thing I think of is, well, that makes total sense. I mean, if you want more revenue, if you want uh, Shopify has shown that they're on a uh, a a rocket with growth. Uh, Yoast knows that. Yoast of all, according to a CMS market analysis, you would know. But they also mentioned in the official announcement that this this decision to make a Shopify app. Was made uh, long before the uh, recent acquisition of uh, Newfold Digital, which acquired Yoast. Uh, so, so there's that. And I was happy to see that they they mentioned the business aspects of this decision and what it means for the company. They didn't shy away from that. But they also mentioned that they're going to take funds and the knowledge and the things that they get from this uh, sort of a partnership or or this collaborative agreement or whatever's going on, and they're going to put that back into open source. So whatever sort of money or income or revenue that they make through <laughs> Shopify, they're, they're going to put back in
1: the, in WordPress. Oh, so they say, yeah, I mean, t- to me, that's like saying we're drilling for oil, but we're going to take a little bit of money and save the dolphins. I mean, it just seems so silly when people say stuff like that. Ah, well, it is what it is. And, and, and also
0: that uh, they're going to be opening up a uh, Yoast merch store on Shopify so be able to uh uh sort of uh eat their eat their own dog food so to speak dog food their own product and and what they learn with Shopify and there is if you want to learn all about this and what's going on with the SEO they're actually having a uh, YoastCon Shopify edition on January 20th that you can sign up and register for and you can learn all about uh what's going to be happening with the Yoast SEO and how it works on Shopify and hey I guess if you're on Shopify. And you know it, it makes sense to have the best seo you can and i
1: i think uh i think they'll do well probably over there on, on shopify wow i just pulled up their actual app page for shopify uh it's going to be 29 us dollars per month well cha-ching baby yeah that's <laughs> some good money isn't it oh wow Wow, you are What did you wait? Was it your guest? You said a couple of dollars a month. Yeah, well, I, oh, okay. I, I assumed you know maybe five, nine dollars. I don't know. I I certainly wouldn't pay more than ten dollars a month for uh, an SEO tool, but I guess thirty dollars a month is where where they priced it. Well, think,
0: you're not their target market because if you were, they'd be going broke. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially, yeah, maybe thirty yeah. thirty dollars a month, and that's on top of. uh Oh, that's on top of whatever the cost to, to run your Shopify. It's on top of whatever other plugins or apps you might be using on Shopify. So I, hey, I don't know. I guess if you're selling a certain amount of of making that much money a month of revenue, something on Shopify, maybe it all equals out or something. I don't know. Oh, for sure. But uh so there you have it. Um oh WP Engine was in the news, and this was kind of uh I'm glad to see this actually, but the frost. WordPress theme that Brian Gardner has been hyping up and uh, we've had him on the show here to, to talk about it. Uh, the Frost WP thing, a block-based uh, thing that takes full advantage of full-site editing. Uh, he actually took a role uh, as the developer relations team at WP Engine this past fall. And on top of that, uh, the team has also acquired the Frost uh, WordPress theme. And what they're going to do is use that, to To learn and share those learnings and share those things with the uh, WordPress community, and it was only back in 2018 when Brian Garner uh, sold or WP Engine acquired StudioPress and the Genesis Framework from mm-hmm. Brian Garner. So whatever Brian Garner does is gold, and WP Engine wants it, is what I'm getting. But <laughs> but but uh, everybody who had purchased the Frost WordPress theme. Uh, should have gotten a refund because that was part of the acquisition process. And, and you know, now that it's free and anybody can use it, uh, I haven't seen as much hype from yeah. Brian Garner and others around it on Twitter. So maybe that's just uh, uh, there, no hype is needed now because you know, it's all under the WP Engine umbrella. But if you haven't seen the Frost WordPress theme, uh, you should check it out. Well, because it's free and because it's beautiful, it's it's really well done. And you know, uh, I like the aesthetics, the design aesthetics from uh, from Brian
1: Garner over the years. My biggest problem with the theme is is that I know that if I used it, it would never look as pretty as it should. Well, well you know what I mean. Like that's I that's the that's
0: the uh, that's the uh, end user theme window shopping dilemma, right? Yeah. You no, know, yeah. you look you look at something; it looks so good in a display case. You bring it home.
1: <sighs> Just, it doesn't work <laughs>
0: oh and then, yeah. and then you and then you see the little text at the bottom no refund <laughs> <laughs> not a big deal on something free i guess yeah, that's right so if you're looking for a full site editing theme black base scene that's that's really well done there's another entry into the arena frost
1: yeah i, I mean and if you use it, it if you use it let us know i would love to see some other demo demos of people using Frost. Um, you no, know, right now on the Frost WP website, there's only like three sample sites. But I would, I would really appreciate it. if anyone is using it or has some experience with it or loves it and built their site with it. Shoot Jeff or I a message on Twitter or wherever you can, and let us know. I would love to see it. I, I'd be super interested in that. So I got a question for you: Can Matt Mullenweg save the internet?
0: No. It's a yes or no question. But there's a lot of words that were written about whether he could or not. <laughs> so yeah. this is a is a pretty good piece actually by David Pierce on protocol.com. It was actually published on my birthday back in 2021. And the piece pretty much covers Matt Mulloway, his mindset, uh what's going on in tech overall and can he save it? The openness. And there's I thought the the overall piece was was well done. And it's definitely worth a read if uh, if you get around to it. But uh, I, it's hard to pick and choose different parts here. But I, I thought this was interesting. As someone who has written about and used WordPress for a while and has, has, has covered the scene for a long time, I wanted to, to quote this part under the subsection called The Titan. And uh, it says, quote, When automatic sell shares to new investors, all the voting power goes back to Mulloway. When he wants to push Automatic or WordPress in a new direction, he tries to do it as gently and collaboratively as possible, but one way or another, he usually gets his way. Mulloway generally tends to downplay this authority, noting that users can always fork WordPress and do their own thing, but there's no question that where Mulloway goes, the community and the internet eventually follows. And I read that, and I'm like, wow, you know, that's that's one of the first times I've actually seen somebody write that, and I was just wondering how many other People in the WordPress scene over the years read that and shaking their head, you know, up and down, up and down. But I thought that was, uh, that was one of the highlights for me in that piece. And then he goes on to say that, you know, in general, Molaweg is hardly the chest beating pundit type, but friends and foes alike describe a killer line just under the surface. And, And it talks about how he's gone after Wicks a couple of times over the years. I mean, you and I both know that he's gone after Chris Pearson and thesis and some of the other things that have gone on, uh, in the past. Um, But, uh, but yeah, but he, but I, one man, one person cannot save the internet, but I do think he is in a position where he can certainly help. He can help stem the tide. He he could help. He he could be a a bastion of, uh, or a bastion of good uh, for, for the internet. And he's, and he's doing that with open verse and some of these other things that, uh, that automatic and WordPress is doing, but you no, know, just one person. I mean, come on. The the obvious answer is no. No one person's going to save the internet.
1: Yeah, I I think though, as as someone becomes more wealthy, as someone becomes more famous, I often find myself questioning their motives more and more. Um, and and I think that, not, I think that's healthy. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't want that to be a knock on Matt specifically, and I I hope he doesn't take it that way. But I just always wonder, like what is like the true goals? What is the true intention? What, like, are you gaining power and money for power and money's sake? And it's like, you know, I I get that sometimes I'm sure Matt and others, if I've criticized them, have probably wondered what more do I need to do to prove that I'm like not this horrible demon person or whatever, but it's like, how, like when, when is enough and, you know, does that person truly deserve the the power and money and um, control that they have? Um, I think that, well, what, feel, what, what, what has done over the years up to this point? What do you think? I mean, he, he's had some missteps. Some of okay. Them can, yeah. Some of them can be definitely attributed to kind of growing up. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not like a 60 year old businessman with 40 years of business experience. Um, and I think people have to try to remember that as well. I just, I, my biggest wish is for him to find people that he trusts and, and, you know, run things a little bit more by committee, share that power, share that vision, share that responsibility. Kind of going um, back to the open governance. Right, because he's, one, he's not going to live forever. Um, two, he's human, which means he's he's failable. It means he is, you know, potentially influenced. Um, and so dividing that up a little bit creates some checks and balances. And I I think that, you know, as much as he has been like a good, you know, governor of the open web and a good governor of WordPress. I think it's time for him to really, you know, seek a small committee of of maybe not necessarily like minded people, but people that he trusts um, or or can work with to kind of you know bring some of his goals to pass without necessarily centralizing the power to him. And I just wonder,
0: at what point at at the center of all this, how can how can the WordPress Foundation be a part of all that? How can that be? Part of the solution, if at all, because you know just from the outside looking in, that seems to be the obvious place to go and to start is well, we have this word WordPress Foundation. here are the guidelines and things that we want to work on and and just just build from there, but I don't know we'll have to see uh definitely a great piece, so it's one of the more interesting pieces i've I've seen uh on Matt Mulloweg in, in a long time uh some goDaddy news. Uh, GoDaddy domains now include stronger privacy protection. So what GoDaddy is doing is uh, they say that uh, while GoDaddy previously redacted the customer's personal details, we're talking about the who is information when you register a domain, uh, the new upgraded privacy replaces the customer's details with anonymized information in the public who is directory. Privacy protection will be active by default. From here on out, ensuring nobody will be able to see the customer's content information. And in addition, customers will be provided with a private email address for domain inquiries to prevent spam. And customers will also be able to set up private email addresses to forward all or, or filtered or no messages to their own inbox. And domains that were previously registered with GoDaddy will be upgraded with free privacy in the coming weeks. This to me is good news because I I, I manage my domains through GoDaddy and the privacy protection is always like i think it's like 24.99 a year or something it's an essential purchase i have to buy it when i renew my domain so this is going to save me a chunk of cash uh every year and hey i'm all for it but when i brought this up some people were like well what's the big deal you know it's you know i don't know how many different hosts you you've messed with their domains uh recently but is privacy protection on the who is information is that is that like a standard feature that you have to pay for and a lot of other hosts
1: um i well, i've
0: always seen it as something you got to pay for like an upgrade like an add-on because it's it's just something it's one of the one of the ways that a uh web hosting company can can easily make a little bit more profit a little bit more money by making that an add-on yeah i
1: mean maybe but i i guess the 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 second part of that for me is that it's, it's kind of laughable in a way because one, you, you know, you don't have to actually keep your legit information in your domain. Who is right. Wow. Like you, you, you could have your domain by like Mr. Mainline and, <laughs> and like, you know, stop spamming me at WPMainline.com. Like you could, you could do all of that and no one's going to stop you. I think it's really cool that they're making this change. Um and, you know, I probably have far too many domain names, um, that I've registered through GoDaddy just because it's a very easy process. Um, I also use like hover for some other ones. I don't remember. I think it included privacy when I did that, uh, as like a free thing, but I'm, I'm, I am not hundred percent certain off the top of my head. Um, and I know other, some other domain registrars allow it as a free update as well, or free upgrade as well. So, um, well, this it's going to save me money, and I'm happy about it. Yeah, <laughs> and and you should be. And this is the direction that they should be going in. I just, I, you know, I don't think that most of your listeners are probably going to think that this is a huge advantage to them, unless you've received those like, you no know, domain phishing emails or domain scams or like whatever else. Um, I, I, but I, I still I applaud them for doing this. I think it's a it'd good thing. Not, it'd be nice if it was something default, just a standard feature across all all. Registrars, why not? I agree, hundred percent. It should be that way, and I think that a lot of the other ones, if they haven't done this, will probably implement it to stay competitive with GoDaddy. So good for them.
0: uh let's see, let's see. Um, other things to talk about. Have you, uh, are you into that Wordle? Have you, if you've been doing oh any Wordles? Goodness. No, not me, not yet. <laughs> for any for anyone who doesn't know Wordle, it's this, it's a scheme that uh, a gentleman created for his wife. Uh, Did you say scheme or word- game? Game, game. It's <laughs> it's a game. It's not a scheme. It's a game. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like uh, if anyone's familiar with, actually, there's a game show a number of years ago called Lingo. Uh, it's kind of similar to that. It's also similar to a game called Mastermind. And you essentially just have to you get six tries, five letter words, and you have to. You know, you have to try and guess it within within six tries, and you could share results to uh, to Twitter. And I saw <laughs> I saw somebody post on Twitter that uh, Twitter in January of 2022 is just COVID and Wordle results. That's pretty much what, what everybody is posting. I'm like, well, that's that's kind of accurate for now, but uh, I don't know. Wordle, it, it's just nice. It's kind of like a, something to get your brain going. I like the social aspects of it. Uh, I do like the memes. That I've seen. And I want to give a special shout out to David Bissett, who uh, hit a home run when he posted an image of Matt Mulloway doing a state of the word. And on the board, it was a, it was a wordle that uh, it was like, <laughs> he called it state of the wordle. And I thought it was just fantastic. Uh, awesome. He had a home run there. So I don't know. i has been having
1: fun with the wordle. Um, it's the other WordPress stuff. Oh, um, whatever happened with that bug fix that you submitted for um, WordPress? Oh, oh, they, uh, they've actually
0: been cranking away on it. They've worked on it. It's fixed. It's actually in, uh, it will be in WordPress 5.9. If it's, It should be already in 5.9 beta 2. Oh, no, RC, RC 2. Uh, but yeah, and I've tested it out and it works again. So uh, I reported a bug. People get onto it. It was serious. People tested it. They worked on it. Boom, it's fixed. <laughs> that must feel so good, right? Like you must. It, uh, feel, yeah. It feels on. pretty good. Yeah. I, I you know. And now I'm wondering if the people who get props or the, the, is it just the people who submit code in the patches? Do they get props or the people who submitted the original ticket describing the issue? Do they get props too? And I, I want to say it's just the, uh, the commits, the fixers. Yeah. The fixers, which, um, I don't know. I think in this case, I went in my, seeing that changed but you know that's that's a (laughs) that's a selfish thought on my part but uh very cool to have that changed and uh that was a very annoying bug actually you know it was was the first time i tried to create reusable blocks and that was my experience i i I was breaking things and losing content so um, (laughs) i'm in 5.9 i will actually um, in fact maybe after the show this weekend i should probably uh, create those reusable blocks again, because it's going to be very helpful for when I do the show notes uh, uh, for the show, you know, cause I got my headers, and my show log, uh, the, the the list block, the accordion block for the uh, transcript, the, the GoDaddy ad block. And I keep having to manually put those in each time. And it's like, well, why don't I just create some reusable blocks? Just add those all in and I can just fill in the information. That's what there's, that's what those
1: are for. Right. Uh, oh, I have a funny story about that actually. Okay. So I was working with a client and I created a bunch of reusable blocks. And what I didn't think through at the time, and it totally makes common sense now, is when you create a reusable block it, uh, and edit it, it edits all imp- like instances of that reusable block. Uh, now, now, are you getting reusable blocks confused with global blocks? Or what no, used to I'm, be global I'm, blocks? No, I'm not. I'm not. And so there's actually a That doesn't sound put- right when you pull in a reusable block that you've created into an article or into a post or page or whatever, there's a button next to the title of the reusable block that basically says like, basically like disconnect this from continuing to be part of this like global reusable block. Oh um, hmm. yeah. So just, just as kind of a note to people at, at first, I thought that you had to like, I don't know, figure out a way around it or whatever. And I was just getting so frustrated with the stupid reusable block because it was, it was kicking my butt. And then I hover over the thing and it's like, you know, I can't even remember the exact word for it. Um, But yeah, you can disconnect it from being like, like globally changing everything. Um, Let me pull it up real quick. That's, that's weird. Cause uh, unless it
0: overlaps with the functionality of what was the global block, which you remember, we had that discussion on what to yes, rename it or what to name it. And uh you know, that, that sounds like, uh
1: Oh, that's weird. <laughs> You'll have to try it out and let me know. Maybe I'm crazy, but I, we, we were using the latest version of like uh WordPress and uh, like we put it, we created like uh, a call to action block and we put it on page one and then we put it on page two and then we changed it on page two and we, we saved it. And there's, it's funny when you go to like uh, update your page, a little like white dot goes next to the word update and a little slider comes out and says, Hey, do you want to update the page and that block? And you uncheck like update the block or whatever. And it's oh. like, okay, then you have no changes on this page. I'm like, what do you mean I have no changes on this page? I just changed all this stuff. But because it was in the reusable block, it went update that page because I said not to update that reusable block. Uh, The whole thing was just a whole, (laughs) I felt like a dummy. I I think this is the first time in a long time that I was like completely stymied. And I remember like hovering over that button and realizing I can disconnect it. Like, I just felt like a fool. Like, how did I not see that button earlier? So just a heads up, reusable blocks are cool, but... Um, yeah, they, they, I think they might be global.
0: Well, that's something to keep in mind because I would like my reusable blocks to be just centered on the page I'm using them on. And if I change them in that post, I don't want them changing on every other post. No way. So I'll have to keep that in mind. Maybe, maybe when I use the reusable blocks, I have, maybe I'll have to check that option every time to say disconnect to keep them separate.
1: Yeah. So, like, as soon as you pull it in, right? So um, you'll go into your blocks, uh, you'll go into your reusable block, you'll pull it into your page. And then right, like I said, right next to the title of it, it'll have a button that looks like two little squares and it says convert to regular blocks. And then that will stop it from being like part of that reusable block. Um, so you won't change it site wide, and you can still have the layout that you want. Um, yeah, I wish you could do like a read, like a, I don't know, not a read-only, but like a clone without that uh, that connection to the other ones. But I, it also makes sense because it's super cool. Like if you want to do a call to action at the bottom of every post and then you want to update that call to action, have it update everywhere, like that's pretty slick. It Just that design language or that understanding was not um, what I had when I intended on using reusable blocks. <laughs> So, here you go, folks, uh, listeners,
0: an unintended, unintentional lesson on reusable blocks here on the (laughs) WP mainline podcast. And, you know, there's going to be, as we get into it throughout this year in full site editing, there's going to be a lot of little gotchas that we're going to discover like this. So, if we do and we learn and uh, we go through the hardships of (laughs) dealing with blocks, we will be sure to let you know, keep you informed on what we learn. And it's, I really hope we, see that throughout this year is a lot more tutorials uh, just from just from a variety of people. I don't care who it's from, but just people sharing what they're learning and how to accomplish things uh, through the black editor. Uh, Yeah, that'd be that'd be nice to see. Uh, With that said, um, anything else that you want to that comes to mind,
1: maybe to mention? Um, let me see. Um, oh, there's this cool site that I found. Um, So it's called WP mainline. Ah. And if you want to make sure that it actually sticks around and we keep doing this podcast, oh, boy. you can actually go there and you can click on this ways to support me thing. And there's there's four options there. And maybe maybe you look at one of those and uh, like the the rail fan option for subscription is only $49 per for year. That's 365 days of supporting this site and this podcast. So how could you not want to do that? I mean, come on, people. Let's make that happen. Also, also, I thought I saw a message where you said there was a new boxcar coming soon. I don't see a new boxcar, Jeff. When's, when's my new boxcar, Jeff? What's happening it there? Is,
0: uh, it's currently in the process of being designed. Um, mm. Josh Daly has been very busy since the new year and fair, uh, fair. hasn't had uh, much chance to get it. He did show me the first concept the other day. Uh, There's some changes that are going to happen with that boxcar, and then once I get the Second concept, pass that along to the client, the purchaser. But it's—I'll uh, give you a hint: green.
1: Hey, I was going to ask for one, so green that sounds good. What? The,
0: the color green. Green. Yes. What brands
1: have green. Yes. I'll give you uh, I'll give you a hint. The color green. It's going to it's going gonna, it's gonna to look cool. All bikes, cars—they always look cool. If if people have guesses on on what brand it is, uh, where where should they send that guess? Twitter. Twitter, at me on Twitter, at WPMainline, or at
0: a j e 0 Hey, where can we follow you on Twitter, Mr.
1: Milk? Oh, oh that's so nice <laughs> of you to ask. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at FindPurpose, all one word. And uh, yeah, I, I don't tweet as much as I probably should, but I'm not playing Wordle. So, uh, you know, what can I say? And uh, if you're looking for to find me elsewhere, um, I am also uh, at PressTitan, so PressTitan.com camber uh cmbr.co and uh, i have my own personal blog which is perlty.com i don't really post on there much anymore but like every once in a while i do and i recently did a a review of uh the hyundai ionic 5 electric vehicle that we test drove so uh if you're interested in electric vehicles i talk about that stuff a lot on there excellente good
0: sir and with that all show notes in, uh, for this episode and all other episodes we will be published on WPMainline.com. Just click that podcast link at the top of the site. Next week, we're going to do a dive into WordPress 5.9 and what to expect and some of the cool stuff that's coming in that release. And then if we get around to it, uh, I just recently hit 100 or I'm going to be hitting 100 published posts on WP Mainline, And maybe next week, um, maybe I'll dive in to share some thoughts on what it is I'm doing with WP Mayline or what it is I want to do, what it is I'm not doing, how I feel, uh, kind of the future. And who knows, you know, maybe we'll dive into that next week because I've been thinking about it and uh, yeah, might make for a good conversation. <laughs> who good. knows? I'm All right. It. Everybody enjoy, have a uh, safe, enjoyable weekend. We're back. We're going to be back in your podcast listening apps. Thank goodness. It's been a while. It's been about three or four weeks, but uh, we'll talk to you again next Friday evening. So long, everybody.